Father, we just pray, just for these few moments as we turn to your word, that you would breathe upon your word. Lord, you would breathe, Lord, into our hearts tonight. You would breathe into this body. You would breathe into our prayer meeting tonight, the very breath of God. Lord, we need your life, the resurrection life. We need the power of the living God in our midst. Oh God, we just ask, would you come, Lord, in our weakness, in our frailty, Lord, in our nothingness, but Lord, we know that there's one able tonight. Lord, would you breathe, Lord, the breath of God into this very meeting tonight. Breathe into this prayer meeting, Lord. We need the breath of God to breathe into this room. Oh God, tonight, Lord, we just ask it in the name of Jesus Christ that you would do it. Lord, that you would answer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. These few verses, uh, just over the past few weeks, it was just a number of weeks ago, they were really quickened uh, to me in, a, in one of the prayer meetings that just came as I was praying um, in the prayer meeting here. And these verses were just quickened. And just over these few weeks, they really haven't left. You know, sometimes when the Lord quickens a verse or a portion of Scripture to you, and it, it just seems to lay hold of you. It's just there, and the Lord is pressing something upon you about that Word and bringing some revelation and adding to it as the weeks go on. You know, that breath of God, that touch of God, I, I believe, is just what we all need at this time. We just need to see God just touches people, touches body, His body, the church. That's you and I, if you're saved tonight. We just know we're in a time where we, we just need a breath of God. And I thank God that God does breathe. He breathes upon us. You know, right back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground, the Bible says that God breathed into his nostrils the very breath of life, and man became a living soul. God breathes. There's a breath of God that brings things which are motionless or dead to life. And we need the breath of God. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, after the resurrection, in John 20 and verse 19, it reads these words, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. When he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, the Bible says that Jesus breathed. That's the same breath. He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. God breathes yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is still the same. He still breathes. And tonight, if we're in that need, I believe we're in a need, a needy hour where we just need a breath of God just to be upon the people of God. So many have been going through so much sickness over these past number of months and discouragement. And when you get sick after a few weeks, you can become very discouraged and and weighed down, and we just need the breath of God to come and to touch God's people, just the breath of God, just for God to breathe into this very prayer meeting tonight, just a wind 
of the Holy Ghost, just, to, just God to come down. Nothing of us working anything up, nothing of us trying to do anything or make anything happen, but just God just breathes on His people. Anyone need that breath of God? Just a breath of God, just, just a touch of God on our lives, just a fresh touch of the Lord, just to know the touch of God, just that, that freshness that comes when Jesus just steps into the midst of all what's going on and we just know that His presence is everything. It makes the feast. You know, in our reading here in 1 Kings chapter 17, just to give you a little bit of background, you're familiar with it, but I want to just look at it for a moment. It said, and it came to pass after these things. And just to, again, I know we're so familiar with uh, the life of Elijah the prophet, and we're so familiar with many of these verses. We've looked at them so many times. But just to refresh ourselves again, this was a time, of course, when uh, there was a king on the throne. His name was Ahab. He was a wicked king. Back in 1 uh, Kings chapter 16, we see that this man comes to the throne, and it tells us that he, he had a wife. His, her name was Ahab, and we know that he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that was before him. There was just a time of great wickedness. And we see that this man takes this woman, Jezebel, to be his wife. And we know that they were just greatly wicked. And they offered up the Baal and they raised up an altar to Baal at Samaria, that northern kingdom where Elijah was, was ministering the two kingdoms. You know, the northern of Israel, then the southern part was Judah, the kingdom had been split just after Solomon. And so we see here in this northern part of the kingdom, Samaria was the center of worship. But in that place, that this wicked king with this wife that he had married brought in this worship, the, the Baal or Baal. And so this is the context. Elijah is born a Tishbite up in Tishbite. You can see it there on the map if you look at it. And the Lord raises the prophet up in the midst of a time when there's so much wickedness and there's so much uh, falling away, as it were, and backsliddenness, that there's a prophet that is raised up to speak for the Lord. And he finds this man, Elijah, and Elijah shut in with the Lord in his presence. And we read of Elijah that he goes to Ahab just in the opening of chapter 17. He goes there as the Lord God of Israel liveth. We know the story well before him I stand. He says, there shall not be Jew nor reign these years, but according to my word. Nothing will happen but according to the word of the prophet. And so we see here that as his word is spoken, so the Lord honors the word of the prophet because it's the Lord's word that's in his mouth. The Lord honors the word of the prophet because it is the Lord's word that is in his mouth. He has the word of the Lord. And so we read then that that great famine takes place Elijah then is in the midst of all of that. He's, he is divinely guided to that brook which is called Cherith, verse 4, before Jordan. And there is something wonderful happens that the Lord makes provision for Elijah in the midst of the famine. We thank God that no matter what happens that the Lord will make provision for His people even in the midst of famine. We see how the Lord's hand is upon Elijah as he typed of course, as the church today, uh, that the Lord's hand is upon him, divinely guiding him, and also divinely 
providing for him. The Bible tells us that in the morning the ravens would bring him bread and flesh. And every evening the ravens would bring him bread and flesh. And there was divine provision at the brook. Remember the Bible tells us that the Lord will guide us continually. And praise the Lord, he'll satisfy our soul in drought. And make fat our bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and a spring of waters whose waters never fail. Praise the Lord. The waters that we are drinking from never fail. We'll never thirst again. There's the blessing in the midst of the famine of the brook that God makes this divine provision for the prophet. God will lead us. And then sometimes God leads us directly from his word, but also he leads us by circumstances. Circumstances change. Circumstances cause us to move. Sometimes it's a direct word, but sometimes it's through the circumstances of our lives that we're moved. We see here that the refreshment and the provision and all is well suddenly dries up. The brook is divinely dried up by the Lord for the purposes of God. Sometimes when things begin to change, it's not the devil. It's just God moving things around. We've become too comfortable, too at ease. We're trusting maybe more in ourselves. We're too familiar with the surroundings. And then the brook begins to dry because God is in control. And he's beginning to change the circumstances. It's not the writing on the wall. It's not the appearance of an angel. It's not a letter through the front door. Just suddenly your circumstances begin to change. God's working. God's moving. God's beginning to stir, as it were, the nest. Sometimes God stirs the nest. Sometimes God does things beyond the comfort zone of our lives. It's a good thing when he does, and it's necessary. But he gets divine direction in 1 Kings 17 and verse 9. It says, Arise, get thee to serve us with belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And so where Elijah was at this time, to travel right up at the brook Kidron as it dried, to travel right up to where this widow woman was, they reckon it's about 85 to 90 miles of a journey in a famine. And Elijah was a Probably at this point, a wanted man. He was the one that had declared the word of the Lord and brought, as it were, the judgment that was upon the nation. And so he had to travel through the country right up to where this widow woman was. And as the Lord said, when he arrives at this place, guess what he finds at the gate? The widow woman collecting sticks. The most unlikely source our resource is found often in their most unlikely places. While the world look at what is the natural things, where all the resource is going to come, we know that God works in mysterious ways. It often happens completely different the way we think it's going to happen because His ways aren't our ways. It's not so true. Many times has God intervened and blessed you in your life from the most unlikely source where you didn't think it would come, suddenly it comes. That's how God often works. And here's this woman 
collecting these few sticks. It says there in verse 10, as he comes, he called her and said, fetch me at the back end of verse 10, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel. I have a little oil in the cruise, and I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and that we may die. What a dire circumstance. And God had sent the prophet of the Lord that this woman with just that little cake, that little meal, that little oil, and a couple of sticks, that she was going to be the resource for the prophet. It's amazing how God works. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me a little cake, bring it to me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. It's actually amazing. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Isn't the provision of the Lord, the resource of God, how He works, it's so different from the economy of the world? Just do this first. And your meal will not waste, neither will the cruise of oil fail. And verse 15 says, And she did, she did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Divine multiplication. God kept giving the increase. How we need God to give the increase. Only God can give it. How we need God to give the increase. So we come to this scripture that we're reading. This is the context that when we read and after these things, after these things, it's a remarkable story. This woman so greatly blessed that she'd given off so little that how Lord had blessed her abundantly in her house and the provision and the profit of the Lord. And then we read in our reading, if you just turn back to it, 1 Kings 17 and verse 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, he fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee? O thou man of God, art thou come to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? What is this all about, she said? How could this possibly happen? You've come. I've seen the divine provision of God. I've given what little I had, and God has so blessed me. You've been in my home, and we're greatly blessed in the midst of a drought and a famine. But yet here we find that the son takes sick, and he dies. And it's just in these few words that I've been 
just really stirred over the past number of weeks, just really for us as to pray. I know it's personal. I know the Lord has been speaking to me about it. But I, I know it, that there's something here for us in the place of prayer because we all have these great needs. We have loved ones. We have people that we're praying for. We have neighbors. We have, we have things in our lives that we are being believe in the Lord for, praying for, for a breakthrough, for God to really move in our midst. And it, it is like so, so often, it is like just this boy here in this story. It is like the situation is completely dead. It's beyond any possibility of man for anything to happen. But there's the boldness of the prophet, the boldness and the determination of the prophet that wanted an answer from the Lord. In verse 19, this is what he says. He says to the woman, give me thy son. Give me thy son. And he takes this impossible uh, need from the woman's arms. He took him out of her bosom. And now we see Elijah. And this is so much a type of uh, intercession uh, that, that I just want us to try and grasp it as we come to pray tonight. He takes the boy from the arms of the woman and he heads up into that loft. You know, we need to bring, see all those things that concern us, those things that are heavy on our hearts, those, those loved ones that we've been praying for or other things that there are in lives in this room and families and collectively, could I say, just as a church because there are so many that sit among us every week a week in and week out, and they're, they're never, it does not seem on the outward. I know it's through the faithfulness of the preaching of God's Word, but, but we need to really know to pray and to lay all these loved ones before the throne of grace, to really pray through that God would breathe and God would cause dead men to live. God causes dead men and women to live. They're spiritually dead Many of them are, are being enticed away by the, by the things of the world. The enemy is lying to many of them, and they're being enticed and drawn away. We see the ones that gather in from, uh, from Hope Mission coming in week in and week out, and they're being loved and encouraged, but it's, salvation is of the Lord, and we need a breakthrough that God would lift the blindfold from their eyes and break through their hardened hearts. It's like Elijah it's what we need to be like as Elijah tonight. We need to lay hold of these needs. There, there needs to be a determination. There needs to be a boldness. There, need, there needs to be in prayer. We, we need to come to the throne of grace tonight with a boldness in our hearts. The Bible tells us we can boldly approach the throne of grace. There's a, there's a blood-sprinkled way for the church tonight. There's a high priest up in the glory tonight. There's a way that's been made for us, but we need to come boldly. And there we see Elijah bringing the son up the stairs, carrying that which is dead in his arms. It's so profound. And he lays him down upon his own bed up in the loft, there's the bed chamber, there's the shut in with God, and he needs an answer. You know, the psalmist says these words in Psalm 138 and verse 7. The psalmist says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies. 
and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. What concerns you? To, what are you concerned about tonight, brother or sister? What, what is the concern of the church? We're concerned for souls. We're concerned for men and women that sit among us and young people that sit among us week in and week out, but they're not moved. They're not concerned. They're, they're content in their sin. They're dead in their sin. We cannot save them. We are faithful to what we need to do, but we cannot do it. But friends, oh, for a breath of God, that breath that brings dead men alive, that the men are delivered by the power of a risen Christ. What concerns you? You know, the sad thing today, so many are, even amongst God's people, they're not concerned about the lost. They're not concerned. We, we believe in a heaven and we believe in a lost sinner's hell. We believe in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe we're on the edge of, of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that He's coming. And yet so many are unconcerned, but I'm thankful that we're amongst the people that are concerned. And the Lord says that He will perfect, He will perform, He will bring to pass that which is concerning me and concerning you. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. What the Lord has begun, praise the Lord, he'll also finish. And so we see, it's just a profound account of the prophet Elijah, but it's such, a, it's, it's such an insight into prayer and what intercession really is. He takes that great need. Have you a need? Are you concerned? Is there, is there things in your heart that you've been seeking the Lord about and praying for? I know there is many needs. The prayer request board is just filled. And there's the personal needs in our lives that we're believing the Lord for and in our homes. But Elijah brings that concern. Can I encourage you tonight in the place of prayer? Bring what concerns you to the throne of grace. Bring it in faith with determination that I need to hear from God. I need an answer from the Lord. When we pray, we're praying, believing that He hears, but not only that He hears, but that He answers us. That's, that's why we pray. We're praying not the walls. We're praying not the stones. We're praying not the idols. We're praying to the living God who hears. His ears that hear, His eyes that see, and He breathes. And Elijah says in verse 20 that he cried unto the Lord. He cried unto the Lord. The cry. There needs to be a cry, brothers and sisters. There needs to be a cry in our spirits and in our hearts. There, there needs to be a cry in the depths of our being. And he said, O oh Lord, my God. There is a cry from the heart. It's not, it's not an unbelief, but it's a cry from the very depths of his being. He's concerned because the boy's dead. He's concerned because the boy is without life. Are we concerned that so many are dead? Dead in their sins. Are we concerned for our town? Are we concerned for our nation? Are we concerned where the things are at at this present time? Is there a concern? And so the prophet begins to cry. He cried unto the Lord. He said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And then, then he stretches himself. 
upon the child three times. He lays himself upon that great need. Do you know, this has just been, this has just been coming and coming and coming. That this is so much someone taking a great need upon themselves in the place of prayer to really be burdened in the place of prayer for a particular need. We know all their names tonight, those that sit among us week in and week out, whether young or old, and they're always mentioned, and I thank God that we're faithful in mentioning, but when you take that boy or when you take that young girl tonight in in the place of prayer, it is to be like Elijah that we're actually laying ourselves upon the need. We're actually laying ourselves down. We're interceding on their behalf. We're, we're laying hold of heaven where Christ is, the great high priest. And we're that which is dead. We're bringing it and we're calling out to God. God, have mercy. God, would you see it? Someone prayed for you. Someone prayed for you. Someone laid hold of the throne of grace. And someone let hold of your life that was dead and without hope in mind. And they prayed and they called on God. And tonight you're here and you're saved by the grace of God. And he began to cry and he stretched himself upon the child. We see the endurance. We see the persistence. And he cried on the Lord. You know those words, cry, cried on the Lord. We see this the whole way through Scripture. It's literally there hundreds upon hundreds of times. Crying out to the Lord. First time is found in Genesis chapter 4. I'm not going through all of them, but the first time it is found is in Genesis chapter 4. In 25 it says that Adam knew his wife. She bare a son, called his name Seth, for God, she said, had appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then the Bible says, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Know what it is to call. The psalmist says, call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. The psalmist says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. See, when Elijah cried, you know what happened? This is what the Bible says. It says in verse 22, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. A cry that comes from the heart of a saint. The Bible clearly teaches us that God hears and both answers prayer. The answer comes, the Bible simply tells us here, that the soul came into him again, and he was revived. How we need a breath of God. Just a breath of God. No, the Bible says that when he comes down, the mountains melt at his presence. We just need a breath of God. We need nothing else but just a breath of God, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. We have so many dead, and we have so many dying, spiritually dying, and how we need the reviving power of God. The Bible says that the soul came into the child again, and he was revived. And I love this here. And Elijah took the child, brought him down, out of the chamber, into the house, 
and delivered him to his mother. Isn't it wonderful? Do you know the prayers that we make and the cries that we cry in the prayer meeting? Do you know what the wonderful thing will be when God hears and he answers? That what you've laid hold of that was impossible, that you'll be able to walk through those doors with that answer to prayer, perhaps holding a hand, perhaps a healing in a body, but that you can bring that answer to prayer into the house of God and the people of God can be encouraged to cry all the more for many more souls. Oh, how we need a breath of God. May God help us to lay hold of the needs tonight. May we not sleep in a prayer meeting. May we not just nod over and let someone else pray, but may we all cry out to the Lord for a breath of God. Father, tonight we just ask for your help as we come and pray, O oh God, tonight that you would touch your people afresh in this prayer meeting, Lord. Lord, would you lead us tonight? Would there be a cry that goes up from this house, Lord? Lord, for all the great needs that there are, we thank you tonight, Lord. Lord, that there is one up in the glory. Thank you, Lord, that you hear and you do answer our prayers. Oh, God, just anoint the next one that prays. Encourage them, Lord. We pray, Lord, that as one man tonight would lift their voice and cry out, Lord, that you would hear and answer every prayer in this room. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.